Amy and I recently watched a film called Sherpa, except I watched most of it and Amy watched just under half as she fell asleep on the sofa. And for those that uh, don't know, the term Sherpa refers to an ethnic group come from the most mountainous regions of Nepal and uh, particularly the area surrounding Everest. And the word Sherpa, I did some Wikipedia research this week, uh, the word Sherpa comes from the Sherpa language, meaning um, two words pushed together, the first Shah, meaning east, and the second Pa, meaning people, Sharpa, east people. And for decades since the best known Sherpa, who we have a picture of this morning, a wonderful man, Tenzing Norgay, for decades since he led Edmund Hillary and his team to the summit of Everest, the Sherpa people have been widely known, world-renowned for their incredible natural talent, their ability to take uh, weak Westerners uh, up to, to scale, to help them scale the highest mountains. Their natural talents uh, given for the benefit of others, leading many others up mountains to achieve uh, otherwise unachievable feats. And some suggest that the reason that the Sherpas are able to do this is because of a natural aptitude, genetic adaptation to altitude. They're able to survive in high altitude without the same sort of oxygen tanks and everything else that many Westerners need. Not just to survive in those environments, but actually to thrive in those environments. And because of that ability, that natural ability, they're able to, to give away, to bless others, to use that advantage that they've been given for the benefit of others. And they have an incredible history. In fact, nowadays, they're, they're so well known that the word Sherpa is used as just a word to describe anyone who's doing anything for the blessing and benefit of others, who's, who's become a guide for others. And this gift uh, has been given by them at significant cost. 118 Sherpas have died since 1921 doing that. In fact, the, the film Sherpa, the documentary Sherpa, looks at one particular day where 16 Sherpa lost their lives. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the book of Daniel, and I've been trying to argue that living as a disciple of Jesus in these days is, is, is the best way to understand it biblically is to understand that we're living in exile, which means that we're, we're learning how to live in an environment that's not home, where we feel sometimes as a disciple of Jesus, I think you felt this, <laughs> maybe it's just me. If it's just me, then I am wasting all of our time. But we feel sometimes as if we don't belong, that the language, the literature, the environment we're in, it, it doesn't support uh, Christian living. It's not hospitable toward discipleship. We feel sometimes, don't we? Uh, he says, hoping for a nod from somebody or a wink or, a, or something similar. We feel as if we're sometimes swimming against the tide if we're really trying to live the life Jesus calls disciples to live. We feel uh, that we're, to use a, a beautiful phrase used by a couple of theologians, and in fact the Bible, resident aliens in a foreign land Sometimes being a Christian feels a little bit, and I wouldn't know, like climbing Everest. 
I've been saying all along in the last few weeks, that's not a complaint. I'm not complaining about that. In fact, I feel profoundly hopeful about it. I feel this is, these, are the, these are days in which we as the church actually have an opportunity to learn what it actually means to live a Christian life. Not a cultural Christian life. What a terrible thing to, to aim to achieve. But a real Christian life, a Jesus-centered life, a radical life of discipleship, that's what I want my life to be about. That's what I want our church to be about. That's why we're here. And last week we said that that begins for Daniel with a decision, a decision not to defile himself, but to live differently, not to assimilate by eating the food from the king's table, but to have a different diet. And today we're going to look at something which flows, I think, from that. And it begins in verse 9, as Lawrence read. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Favor and compassion. What we find with Daniel and his friends... Uh, whose names I'm not going to venture, just at this moment while I'm feeling so emotional. Uh, What we find is that upon Daniel and his friends are favor and compassion. Favor and compassion. Daniel and his friends are favored. And the word there for those that uh, like this sort of detail, chesed, it's, it's a synonym for grace. They're graced. They're graced. Yeah, they're blessed. You might say they're blessed. You could say they're, they're loved. You could say they're lucky. They're, they're graced. They're blessed. They've got favor. Favor on them. I had a friend called Pete who, uh, when I was leading HTB students, who came to speak uh, a weekend. And he had this little habit that I tried to sort of begin uh, around the series we did on Tove. Wherever he saw, wherever something happened where it's like, oh, I've been praying for that, he'd say, favor. You know, so wherever, wherever he sort of was walking and, and, and God opened an opportunity, he'd be like, favor, favor. He just announced it, favor. I couldn't imagine Daniel and his friends just wandering around just saying, favor. Wherever they walked, because God's favor was on them, doors became open to them because of the grace of God upon them. They lived graced, blessed lives. And you know what? They knew it. Uh, if you, have you, maybe there's a member of your family. Maybe it's you. Maybe you know somebody in your circle and things just fall well for them in certain times. And you just, oh, it's happened again. They've just landed on their feet. And you know what? And you moan to your other members of your family. They don't deserve it. They don't work as hard as I do. Of course they don't. It's favor. You know, fate, do you know this? Favor has nothing to do with work. That's why it's so annoying. Because those of us who love to just be rewarded for what we do, those of us who love to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, we don't understand favor. It doesn't work according to the economy of the world. You know, favor is the currency of heaven. It doesn't work according to the patterns of the world. It's God's gift, it's God's grace. It can't be explained and it can't be earned. But when the world sees it, it provokes, it always provokes a reaction. Sometimes it provokes a hospitable reaction, a congenial reaction. Sometimes it provokes anger. You know, sometimes if you're walking in favor in your workplace, 
you're actually, what you'll see is resistance. You're walking according to the favor of God in your family. Sometimes you'll, it will manifest to you as resistance. Sometimes you wonder, am I doing something wrong? And it's not that you're doing something wrong. It's just that God's favor is upon you. Sometimes the shadow, Alan Scott says, the shadow side of favor is opposition. But God favors Daniel and his friends. There's a grace on them, you might say. They're his favorite. They stand out. They're special. You know, we don't get to choose what favor we have. We, I'm a disciplined person. I wish favor sometimes didn't work according to just God's merit. I, so I wish that it was about showing up early. I wish it was always the case that the early bird caught the worm. <laughs> sometimes it is. I, I'm not anti Discipline, anti-grace at all. In fact, was it Gary Player who said about golf, the more I practice, the luckier I get? Maybe there's some kind of spiritual truth in there too. But we don't get to choose what favor we have. But we can waste favor. We can waste it. You see this, actually, examples of this littered over the culture. For the older ones in the room, remember perhaps George Best, Extraordinary natural advantage. Now, as, as obviously as a Manchester United player, I, I don't really fully get it because uh, I'm a Manchester City fan, uh, as you know, and, and so are you, as I know. Uh, George Best, though, he, he carried so much favor. There was just natural favor. And yet he didn't know how to spend it. He didn't have the character to sustain the favor on him. So often we see that in the church, don't we? People favored by God and they haven't developed the character in order to handle the favor. You know, uh, for those of us who, who don't even know who George Best is, who's George Best, who's that? Maybe some of you will remember Amy Winehouse. Again, just an extraordinary natural favor. God's grace upon her, but just for lots of reasons wasn't able to sustain that. For those of you who are just like a good, solid, biblical example, don't give us these cultural examples. We want a, a Bible figure. The word of God will do for us. Thank you, Pastor King Saul. There you go. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> King Saul. So much favor. Uh, stood ahead above every other, biblical, every other figure around him. Handsome. Good looking chap as well extraordinary favor of God and just couldn't handle the favor. But Daniel and his friends have favor. They are favored. And God's favor is on them, but also compassion is on them. The word is racham. It means compassion, funnily enough. That's why they've translated it as compassion. Sometimes you just don't need somebody to tell you because it's in there, and that's what it means. But by extension, it refers to the womb. Cherishing the fetus. You know, when you see a, a mum-to-be just rubbing her tummy, and she's not scratching, she's just nurturing. That's what this word means. It suggests, it's the kind of emotion that's shared between people who've shared a womb together. And you're like, my kids have shared a womb, and they don't nurture each other. Well, sometimes they do. We have twins, as you know, and they literally shared a womb at the same time. And there are moments... You see it where there's just this connection and compassion between them that is, it's this. It's this, it's Racham. 
It's Rachan. You know, the favor on Daniel and his friends from God spills over. They're given this Sherpa-like advantage, this favor is compassion. Like the Sherpa, they're able to spend it. They don't waste it. And what we begin to see, and we've seen it already in verse 9, is that, uh, in fact, verse 10, the officials notice it, and it begins to open doors for Daniel and for his friends. Now, some of you who've, who've read a number of the scriptures, maybe you can hear some resonances ringing in your ears here. You maybe hear the story of Joseph. Another one, favored, who in his early life didn't know how to carry the favor, did he? <laughs> he, he was favored by God and he had a series of dreams and, and he started announcing them. You know, if Joseph had been on Instagram, he would have been unbearable. Unbearable. Have you got a friend who's unbearable on Instagram? Tell them. Tell them, tell them to stop punishing you with their posts of their holidays in bright and sunny places, of their brunches with celebrities. Tell them to stop punishing you. Um, Joseph would have been unbearable. Where am I? Uh, Joseph, that's it. Joseph would have been unbearable on Instagram. I've had some dreams, friends. I'm going to be famous one day. Joseph wasn't wrong. He just didn't know how to carry the favor yet. And so God had to teach him. And the only way Joseph could know that, could learn that, was in captivity, in exile. He's exiled so he could learn how to carry the favor. And ultimately, God gives him extraordinary favor. All the dreams are fulfilled. And Joseph spends the favor well. What does favor look like in practice? Well, let's look at Daniel. Let's look at these uh, young men here uh, and, and actually, you'll hear, as I'm saying this, those of you who know the story of Joseph, you'll, you'll know, you'll see the crossovers. I could easily have preached this sermon from then, from Joseph's life, but then again, we're in a series on Daniel, so I didn't. Verse 10, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who's assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. And, and we go on, and what we find is that despite the officials initially not being disposed to, to Daniel's request, not wanting to grant the request, actually what we find is that eventually the request that Daniel and his friends have is permitted. In other words, we see a favor on Daniel to be faithful. They want to be faithful to God and we find that God's favor on them means that they are able to follow in the plans and the paths of God for their lives. Not favor not to risk, not favor that would be easy. By the way, another exile story is Esther. Did she have God's favor on her life? Yes, she was extraordinarily beautiful. She was given a doorway into the palace of the king and how did, she, how did she use that favor? She spent it on faithfulness. And it could have cost her her life. Favor is for faithfulness. That doesn't mean it will be easy, but God grants favor that these young men can be faithful. And they are. God opens the way for that favor to be spent on faithfulness to God. In other words, it's not spent on our own desires, but on God's desires and designs for our lives. God doesn't give you favor just to spend it on yourself. 
but for it to be spent in the service of his kingdom. We see favor to be faithful. Secondly, we see favor to flourish in body and spirit, verses 15 and 16. At the end of the 10 days, they look, this is a little test that they do. Let's give it 10 days, shall we? They look healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. They got their way. But they flourish as they do it. They flourish in body and in spirit. The favor of God on their lives looks like flourishing. It looks like flourishing. One version says that they were better and fatter than those who'd been eating the king's diet. Just turn to your neighbor now and say, I can see that God has favored you. I can see that God has favored you. Oh man, God has favored you all. You are flourishing in body and spirit. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you because the Lord has anointed you. You are anointed. We are anointed. We are favored to flourish just as Daniel and his friends flourished. And thirdly, we're favored to go further. Can you see? All of these begin with F and that is a sign of God's favor on me. Yes, he's given me favor for alliteration. And that's when I learned to alliterate, I knew it was time to be a pastor. I was ordained the very next day. He's favored to go further. Favor to go further. Verse 17 and 20. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. If you're a student here, pray for this favor. Pray soon before your exams come. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And then verse 20, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned him, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Not one time, not 1.5 times, not two times, 10 times better. Much, much, much better. It's just, uh, lo- lots better. Lots better. Lots better. In wisdom, in knowledge, in learning. What was the favor for? That was what it looked like, but what was it for? What was the blessing for? Well, we're not going to go into it in detail because I could read now really the rest of the book of Daniel. And what we see sequentially on a number of occasions is we see the favor of God manifested in ways that that bless the surrounding culture. Uh, Particularly, we see the king. Blessed. Dreams and visions. This learning is, is, is given. Daniel becomes a Sherpa. Daniel becomes a guide. He becomes somebody who's installed in the, the heart of Babylon, whose mission and job is to unpack things which would otherwise have been unknown. They would have been untouched, undiscovered, like the summit of Everest. They'd have been out of reach. Daniel uses his insight and his learning and so do his friends in the service of the king of Babylon. Where does Daniel get this vision for how his favor should be used? Well, actually we read in Daniel 9, verses one and two. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. A transfer of power, in other words, has happened here. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord, given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. In other words, we were going to be where we were for a while. Exile was going to, it was going to persist. 
This wasn't a phase. This was a season. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. And we'll get into that in coming weeks. But what we see is Daniel's first response in here in in chapter 9 is to turn to the scripture. And already he's received the scripture from Jeremiah as scripture, the prophecy from Jeremiah as scripture. And that prophecy, of course, is Jeremiah 29, which Lauren read to us already. Where it says, this is the word of the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, build to all those I carried from exile, into exile from Jerusalem into Babylon, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. And so on and so forth. Increase and do not decrease. What's the favor for? The favor's for increase. The favor is is to spread the blessing. The favor is, we could read from Genesis 1 here, the favor is to be fruitful and multiply. The favor is not just that you would flourish, but everything and everyone around you would flourish too. And so Jeremiah puts it, or the Lord through Jeremiah puts it in these words that are they're so powerful, they're so, you could have them as a tattoo, I mean, they're just so poetic. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Seek the welfare. This is the goal, this is the reason, this is the purpose of all the favor prospering of the world around you what if in the economy of God he even sends his people into exile so that they would be closer to understanding the experience of a world which is in exile what if his heart's so great that he would risk even his own people his 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 son his beloved son isn't this what he does in Jesus he risks his own His own beloved son. He sends his own son. The son willingly goes in agreement with the father into exile so that he could win back those who are in exile. What kind of God do you have to be to imagine such a possibility? God binds himself to the future of the people People on earth. And so because of that, we are to be people who bind ourselves to the future of the cities and the places in which God gives us favor. And that means serving a people who are not good. Who are not tov. They don't speak like we do all the time. They don't have good Christian manners and good Christian morals. They don't necessarily smell like we do. They're not yet interested in loving God and serving God. They may quite enjoy a meal or two from the king's table. But God has sent us into their midst. God sent Daniel into their midst to give them a vision of what a life in the kingdom could look like. 
Daniel favors, Daniel is favored so that people might see God's favor. God blesses Daniel and his friends so that his life and their lives could be a blessing. The purpose of the favor is to share the favor. The purpose of God's blessing is that blessing would be shared, that it would be spent, not frugally, but abundantly, profligately, prodigally. This is a profound insight into the thinking of Daniel, but also into the thinking of God and the role of the church in exile. I suppose you could say that we are called to be Sherpa. We're called to be Sherpa. Our job is to be specially favored, specially adapted to life on Everest. Why? So that we could Instagram pictures from the top, from the summit. Hey guys, I made it. Do you feel hashtag well gel? People don't say that anymore, do they? No. It's been a while since I was on Instagram. No. We're called to the mountain. We're called to be up there walking. We're called up the mountain into the presence of God so that we would take others with us. What does this look like? Here's the landing. So what is the question? Just take a breath. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. This is not a message of got to do more, got to be more. You know you've been here years. You know that's my favorite message. You know that's the one that when I'm angsty and angry, that's the one I preach. (laughs) Because that's the one that I so often tell myself, got to do more, got to be more. But favor cuts that message out. This is a message of God's grace upon God's people. God's favor, and God's favor can only be inhaled. It can't be earned. And you have it. You have it. God's favor is on you. I declare it. I see it. I proclaim it. I am anointed to proclaim it. I proclaim it. I declare it. You are favored. You know that moment in in, in the Gospels where the angel comes to Mary and there she is just a, a, a teenage virgin girl, unknown, obscure, overlooked. Even if there were Instagram, she'd be too young to have an account. And the angel says, greetings. You know what he says? Greetings, highly favored one. And she's looking around the room to say, who's he talking to? She looks around, she finds no one else is there. Why is she favored? Because she's connected to Jesus. You're favored because Jesus, you're connected to Jesus. Let me put it another way. Jesus is connected to you. You know that even when you feel like you're wandering away, he's connected to you. In virtue of the fact that he made you, your baptism says that he is irrevocably, unconditionally connected to you. There's no way you can walk where you're not favored. 
And God's favor rests on us because we're the community of his spirit. And his spirit is a life-giving, a favor-breathing spirit. And his spirit comes so that we might be a compelling community, a creative minority, a colony of heaven on earth. We are to look like him, smell like him, sound like him, see like him. We're a people of the presence. We're Sherpas who know the way to the top of the mountain and who share the way with others. We are, in other words, a church on fire. Somebody write that down. We only become a church on fire by breathing in. By breathing in. Breathing in. Breathing the breath he gave us to breathe. But we inhale in order to exhale, don't we? The goal of this kind of church, the goal of this kind of movement, this kind of people is to be good news for the world, to be for the sake of the city in which God has planted us, to join our destiny with the destiny of the city, to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. He wants to release a blessing for us so that he can release a blessing through us. The city alive. You are favored at home. You are favored at work. You're favored in school. You're favored at university. You're favored in your coming in and you're going out from this time on and forevermore. And you're favored so that you might declare and live the gospel of favor which God has shared for the benefit of the whole world. Breathe in his favor this morning. That's what we come to church to do, to breathe in his favor so that we might breathe it out over a hurting. Broken world. Whether you know it or not, whether you experience it, Day in and day out, God's favor rests on you, and he's given you favor for others. You are a Sherpa. You are a guide. You know the way, so show the way.